Welcome to the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm the Big Mouth Pharmacist. I'm a pretty sarcastic, slightly unprofessional healthcare professional, a holistic pharmacist here to talk about everything wellness, weed, and Woodstock. We broadcast from the most famous small town in America, where I hold court as the town's family pharmacist who tries to get people off their medicines and onto a wellness program free of the BS and misinformation of the natural products industry. Welcome back, Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist and flu shot giver. This is the only time it's cool for me to stab somebody, so I enjoy this time of the year, besides the uh, costumes around Halloween, of course. Today's episode, Dana's here, and we're talking flu shots. And my stance on flu shots is quite simple. Just don't get one. And if you don't want to, that's fine. Nobody's going to judge you. You're an adult. You can opt out of getting a flu shot. But... If your reason for getting a flu shot is one of the many bits of myth or myths information around the flu shot, I'm not accepting of that. Uh, And so what I'm hoping to do today is to take a look at all the different excuses that people come up with, and I want you to hear what's real. And if you, at the end, still decide, hey, this isn't for me, I'm cool with that. So I'm not going to be the guy forcing people to get flu shots. So let's get started. Uh, I guess we can start with a spoiler. I I don't think that there's any good reason not to get a flu shot. Um, But, you know, we'll we'll leave that for the discussion. Dana. Yes. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Wonderful. Did you get your flu shot? I don't. I don't usually get a flu shot. I know. Why not? I, I don't know. I just, I don't usually get a flu. I get a cold often, but... You know, everybody says that they get a flu shot and then they feel mildly fluish for the rest of the season. And that seems kind of like a drag to me. That sounds like a myth that we can debunk. <laughs> I think you're right. All right. Wonderful. But the uh, I think that it's funny because um, you mentioned that I don't get a flu. I've never gotten the flu, so I don't really get a flu shot. And that's what I normally find the breaking point for people. Once somebody's really gotten the flu, they're like, I'm getting a flu shot every year. Because even if you can decrease the severity just by a little bit, it's tremendous. Um, So like I give flu shots to hundreds of people every year. I've given like tens of thousands of flu shots now over my career. And uh, I have to give flu shots to children, Mm. especially my children. And I've got a funny story about that. So um, basically, I... Bring the doses home just so that way it's a nice, comfortable environment. And uh, we do an on-site flu clinic at my address in Saugerties. And so I say to my kids, it's time to get your flu shot. And then all of a sudden they start screaming in terror this year. (laughs) And the girls run upstairs, three of them, uh, the uh, three of the four, they're all girls. So they start bawling uh, uncontrollably, uh, slamming the door. And I'm like, and my son's like, yeah, great, let's do this. And like, he's always the big chicken. So it was really weird. So (laughs) yeah, you're not really selling these shots. I'm not, no. So, so like the girls, you know, we finally get them to come back downstairs and and settle out. And um, I I say to all of them, I'm like, you, like I give them a very Buddhist approach to this whole thing. You are inducing suffering. The pain of this is just going to be momentary. It's going to be a shot. You're probably not even going to feel it, but you've spent the first, you know, 30 minutes of this experience just blowing this up out of proportion. And and I and I would say to them, I said, all right, so if I give you this flu shot and you stop crying instantly and you say, oh, my God, that didn't hurt at all. You got to clean my my shoes and wash my feet. 
And uh, so, so, <laughs> so they're like, yeah, exactly. So they're like, no, I don't want to do that. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So I give the, one of them a shot, the one that's crying the most. And we have to like have two people to hold her. And instantly she, she like her complete, her frown turns upside down. She completely changes her, her demeanor. And she's like, oh, that wasn't bad. I'm like, get into the, the, the closet and clean my shoes, you know, that kind of a thing. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we just go through each one of the girls. So it was like this horrible process. And the reason I give that anecdote is because it's pretty funny how crazy it is in my house. But the second thing is that that's what it is for most people. Uh, they're afraid of needles and they're afraid of the pain. And I'm cool with that, too. That's a good reason to not want to get a flu shot because it's like we're sticking a piece of metal in your arm. That um, was literally what this week's uh, South Park episode was about. Is Cartman was afraid of needles, really, and it became like a uh, a hog, um, like a hog wrestling tournament <laughs> to get him to get his flu shot. It was it was great. You yeah, watch it. I have a bunch of different like other stories about children getting vaccines and wrestling them like hogs in the store, but we'll we'll skip with this uh, this one for now. But yeah, I think needle phobia is a real thing, um, and so. I'm cool with that, but know that if the pharmacist is doing their job, they're choosing the the most safe needles. And there's this great needle that you can request. It's called a BD Integra needle. And I believe it's 25 gauge, so it's nice and tiny. And uh, and it's not necessarily too long. And it's nice and safe for the pharmacist to use. It retracts, so then you don't have to worry about needle sticks. Um, so if you can find something like that or, or you know, ask them to f- use the smallest possible needle, that's a, a good way to try to circumvent that. So if you get your flu shot with us, that's that's what you can do. So Let's talk about what I want to accomplish here because we're talking about vaccines and like we have this really weird society now mm. uh, where everybody gets a little crazy about everything. So um, I know it's ironic. I'm very pro vaccine, but for some reason it doesn't extend to the flu shot. And I have actually gotten a very bad flu when mm-hmm. I was uh, 25. I got uh, just like this really bad, like all over body flu and I missed three days of work. And I actually felt like it took me the better part of the year to regain my strength. Yeah. And you'd think I'd learn from that, but I didn't. You did not. Well, that's kind of the case. I think we're I've, I've got a wrap on this we're very macho about the flu shot you know like mm. oh i'm just gonna tough it out and like and and that's fine we'll get to some more information yeah, but yeah. essentially like i just don't want anything any of my gripes here to be aimed at the consumer you know um i want to attack the system the the structure i call it the wellness industrial complex that's creating this like false conflict here the the idea of pro-vax versus anti-vax right and i don't want to piss anybody off individually um well i mean kind of i do want to piss people off a little bit i want them to be pissed at the state of things you know this system again is is drawing us apart and it's sowing distrust in our institutions right people don't trust the cdc for whatever reason but then they're going to listen to like a blogger or an internet doctor or jenny mccarthy and it's kind of you know in rage and rage inducing so i would see jenny mccarthy around sirius all the time when i was an intern there and she oh god the rage that would boil up because she's one of the people who's almost single-handedly responsible for this anti-vax movement because of the celebrity worship that exists in our culture but that's another rant yeah they have a website jenny mccarthy death count and it shows a number of people that have not been immunized or, or like some statistic based on that so mm. check that out um so like i say what's the line you know uh, we've talked about this how do you pick an expert who do you trust what's your trust threshold so if you're not going to trust uh, a group uh like the consensus you know all of these lifelong uh practitioners and researchers that may be a part of a large institution that I understand why people, you know, would be like, oh, there might be corruption and stuff like that. Um, But you're not going to trust them. Are you applying that same 
um, uh, rigor against all the people that you are listening to. So, oh, they're corrupt. Big Pharma's corrupt, and they make lots of money on it. Well, what do you think the vitamin guy's doing? You know, what do you think the the uh, the blogger is doing? He's getting he's getting views, so he's going to say stuff that's controversial to get people onto the site. So, um, I also want to preface and say I'm not a vaccine expert. I'll have those guys on the podcast in the future. I'm a healthcare practitioner. That's it. I dispense pills. Uh, I have a large oral region, right? A big mouth pharmacist. That's me. That's all I am. <laughs> I am not uh, the vaccine guy, but I know enough about this stuff and I've well enough read on the subject to address the myths and misinformation. So um, the big thing for me, stop taking sides. It's this us versus them mentality that surrounds everything that tears us apart. It, everything gets turned into a conflict anymore. Um, and I blame the media, of course. So to successfully navigate a relationship, I just had my 14th year anniversary this weekend. So that was great. Um, you know, you have to take it as like you and your partner versus the problem. So pro-vax and anti-vax throw that garbage away and it's all of us against the problem which is the problem here is misinformation um so dana where do you get your information on flu shots and vaccines Mm, well i certainly start with a google search and i try to avoid like general health websites um when i was researching for this show i went to the cdc website Mm -hmm. and that seemed very thorough there's, I, I realize I just said I don't try to go to general health websites, but there's a couple. I feel like Healthline is pretty reliable, but I don't just go mm-hmm. to them. I, I, I cross-reference several yeah. websites to try to see what the majority says and mm-hmm. what I feel like sounds the most reasonable, mm-hmm. you know? I like to think I'm a reasonable person. Yeah. But yeah, it's all from the internet. Right. I get it. And it's like, before we would have to go to a library and read a book, and that book well, hopefully, you know, because there's fewer of them, you know, at the time, there's not this publishing game that we play, they would be a little bit more vetted. And you can see which ones are trustworthy and which ones are not. And now we have instant information at our fingertips. And it's funny, I was just thinking, so I have to replace the uh, motor on my uh, car's tailgate that makes the window go up and down. And I'm like, so do I go to the internet and like <laughs> Google and like hear what's reasonable and then do it? And it's like, no, I'm going to go to my mechanic. Uh, that dude knows cars. So I'm going to go to an expert and he might not be the best guy to do it, but he's going to definitely give me a good answer. Um, so, you know, you said CDC. Great. And the other group that you should always look for is ACIP, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. Those are the the experts that are creating all of the recommendations for what vaccine we should use and when. Um, so check those guys out. The big thing here is that everybody has to know that there is proof that there has been a misinformation campaign perpetrated by cyber terrorists in Russia about vaccines, right? So they're trying to split up our society as much as possible. And there's been a large amount of Russian trolls that have been responsible for anti-vax information. And they plant those things, not in those flyover states that us, you know, East Coast liberals, you know, always joke about, but in the liberal centers, they're putting it in the higher populated, you know, urban regions with people that tend to have like higher college level educations. And that's where it's most effective, which is crazy about this whole thing. So you have that is ironic, more educated people that are falling for these uh, misinformation campaigns. And one of the strongest things that they can do because climate change and vaccines kind of fall in the same mm. place, I feel. And it's funny, it's like polar opposites, too. The people that deny climate change um, are tend to be 
pro-vaccination and like the anti-vaxxers are pro of course there's climate change of course it's real right so we have this weird dichotomy but anyway the the idea is is that if you can so distrust against the expert consensus is what they found so um so the most damaging thing that these groups can do is deny the existence of a consensus around the expertise so like the experts say all of the data points to this being beneficial. If you can so distrust in that, you've won. So that's where most of the attacks go. And that's why we talked about who do you trust? And when you say, I don't trust the CDC, that's typically the result of a propaganda campaign to get you to not trust the CDC. And that we can't forget the influence of these things now, especially social media and our interconnectedness and and how we, we go to uh, Google, which is an algorithm. It's made to curate your experience to you based on what you do and, and based on what is popular. So we have to remember that. Something that goes along with that, you know, for what this is worth, uh, I'm hearing that this is also a really big issue in Italy. So this is not just isolated to the United States. It seems to be targeted to a lot of developed nations. You know, if it's all coming from Russia, where it seems like it is, they are kind of trying to take down the West. allied, mm-hmm. yeah, allied mm-hmm. nations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not yeah. just us, but it is a huge problem. Obviously. Right. And even if you don't go to Russia and you go to um, the groups, the same thing, like the anti-vax uh, groups are using these same misinformation campaigns to influence people. And that's important. So let's talk about some myths and misinformation around the flu shot that we can help people understand uh, better and feel better about this whole process. All righty. Well, I guess the most sweeping question that I have, which you sort of touched on already, is that is there any safety or health reason not to get a flu shot? That is a dumb question. No, No, it's a great question. (laughs) But every single freaking blog answers that question First, so I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm going to get to the heart of the matter because, like, if you Google this, like, what are flu shot myths? We have a list of things that are very light and fluffy, and I feel like we need to give people a little bit more grit. So let's get right into the meat of it, which is uh, most people avoid flu shots because they think they have ingredients that are going to hurt them. Right. And so let's talk about that. So let's talk about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then to that end, mm-hmm. um, is there any medication that it could? Um, what is that word? Is Interact. There- Yeah. Are are there any drug interactions? There are no drug interactions with the flu shot, which is nice. So you don't have to worry about that at all. And again, to answer your question, the the only people that shouldn't get it are people that are under six months old or have an allergy to the flu shot or one of its components. Those are the only people that should get it. In fact, everybody else should get the flu shot. So So this... um this is that idea of herd immunity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we, if everybody gets the flu shot that can, then the people that can't get the flu shot are protected. And the other thing about herd immunity is, is not just those people that can't get it, but if m- most of us got the vaccine, it's not going to be spread. You know, we say the flu ends with you. That's our big catchphrase around here. So if you come across somebody that has a flu virus and your flu shot, stop that from moving further and spreading to your world and all the people in it, then then we've blunted that that whole response. So um, the more of us that get it, the less likely that flu is going to even circulate at all because elderly people and young children are both high-risk populations and even people that are in that intermediary group that have serious diseases. Those people are all high-risk. They are more likely to die from getting a, uh, the flu virus. Uh, so the 
the goal would be to protect them. They're not going to respond the same way that we do to flu shots. So we have to make sure that they're double likely not to get flu viruses. Okay. So the other thing I was curious about is the flu is, to my knowledge, the only vaccine that is administered at pharmacies. Uh, No, not true at all, actually. I do flu shots, shingle shots, meningococcal. I do tetanus and pertussis. So um, in New York, we were one of the uh, few states, uh, last states to get on board with this. But uh, like in Maine, for example, pharmacists have been administering flu shots for 20 years. Um, And it's actually a great idea. You know, I I, I talked to a lot of pharmacists and they're like, if I knew how to give flu shots, I wouldn't have gotten to pharmacy school because we get into pharmacy school because we don't like blood and we don't like touching people. And, uh, (laughs) and... And I think that there's enough um, evidence, though, that pharmacists are best for it because it's like such easy access. You just walk into a store, you can get your flu shot within 15 minutes and be out the door. And there's multiple pharmacies typically in almost every community. So there's a a really great uh, distribution method. You know, again, get it from your doctor if you're at your doctor and the timing's right, but don't wait. You know, it it just makes it easier to get the, the vaccine from a pharmacist. Okay. Well, let's um, talk about mercury. That's what I'm here for. That's why I get the big bucks. Well, that was going to be my next question. Okay, great. Do it. Let's do it. So what's the deal with mercury? So everybody's panicked about mercury being in flu shots. All right. So there is an ingredient in flu shots that's used as a preservative called thimerosal. Thimerosal is a special type of mercury. It's a mercury-containing compound, but it's not mercury. It's called ethylmercury, not methylmercury. Very, very big difference. It's chemically different. Methylmercury is the bad stuff. Ethylmercury, our body clears out very, very quickly. Really, really good. Uh, uh, I should not sound like Donald Trump when I say things. You know, like, <laughs> uh, the best mercury. You know, it's like it's the kind. greatest mercury you've ever seen. <laughs> so it is, um, it is used, and it's only found in flu shots, and it's only found in multi-dose vials, meaning when you have a vial that you draw out 10 doses for 10 different patients. Um, if you get a preservative-free flu shot, that will have none of those preservatives in there at all, um, and you uh, don't have to worry about it. But I try to teach people, you don't have to worry about that anyway, because your body handles that ethyl mercury different. A lot of people say, well, it's still got mercury, so it's still dangerous like other mercury compounds. And... I argue, well, sodium chloride, table salt, is sodium, which is an explosive compound, and chlorine gas, which can kill you with one breath. You put the two together, and it completely changes the nature of it. And in fact, it's great on chicken, you know, um, or popcorn. Science, man. You know, it's cool. Like, that, that things like that happen. So while, yes, ethyl mercury is a part of the thimerosal compound, it's not the same thing, and our body clears it out pretty quickly. But I want to point out a little bit of anti-flu shot hypocrisy, if I could, Mm. associated with mercury, right? So we're worried, oh, I don't want this exposure to mercury. Well, um, I ramble on all the time about the um, contaminants found in supplements, right? And so heavy metal contamination is a massive problem in the supplement industry. You are finding, uh, we used to find it way more like 60% of the time, uh, products on the market would have some sort of contamination in it, uh, most of the time heavy metals or some other issue. Uh, Now it's it's reduced, but it's still significant. Uh, The amount of heavy metals found in many supplements are higher in concentration than natural occurring levels. That's an important distinction because we've messed up our planet pretty hardcore. We're going to have lead and mercury and arsenic in everything. Um, Plus, those things are naturally occurring compounds anyway. 
Uh, they're in the Earth's crust and such. So, you know, we, uh, we're we going to get exposed to them, but we want to make sure that the products that we take have at or less than the naturally occurring levels. And I just pulled up a paper this morning from Poland where, you know, they're saying the supplement industry is uh, kind of like booming in their country. And they just randomly tested a bunch of herbal products and uh, both algae and bamboo, random supplements tested, had like um, over the, the, the maximum amount that somebody should take in one day in single doses so yeah so um it's an issue so if you're going to be so concerned about the inactive ingredients that are found in your flu shot you need to have that same um uh, standard or same obsessiveness about um your supplements and especially about your supplements because the the natural products industry is the one that's sowing this discontent sowing this this uh this misinformation about uh the flu shots not being safe and uh, containing all of these things it's natural practitioners that are doing that. And most of the people that are in that camp are probably selling products that are really gross. Um, we said on the autism podcast with our uh, experts, we're going to talk about autism, of course, and vaccines. But um, there was a supplement brand that was targeted for patients with autism that had heavy metals, ex- especially mercury and lead in their products, mm. um, higher higher than you would want, obviously, in a, in a day. Um, so that's my only point here is that, okay, so yes, we're going to get exposed to some stuff whenever you take anything, but is it a reasonable amount? And what is that reasonable amount? Do you know what your daily limit of mercury should be before you complain about mercury? Do you know what your grapes are giving you in mercury content, <laughs> you know? Um, and especially what what is my, my um, herbal product uh, giving me that I don't know about, so. I think that sort of answers, but definitely leads me to my next question, Mm -hmm. which is sort of a Mm two-parter, which is if one flu shot is effective, you know, are two flu shots over the season more effective? And why can't, Mm -hmm. why can't you get like a lifetime vaccination or every 10 years like tetanus, that sort of thing? Uh, That's a good question. So like, uh, there's two main reasons we have to get a flu shot every year. One is that the viruses are constantly changing. They're viruses, right? So they're constantly morphing and changing and such. And, you know, you can find out what strains are covered just by asking whoever's giving you a flu shot. My favorite is that there has been one that's been used every year and it's uh, since like 2013 and it's P-H-U-K-E-T. So like when I read that, I always like to swear, of course. So um, I won't (laughs) say it on on this, but um, P-H-U-K-E-T. And um, so that's one of the strains. But there, you know, you wouldn't recognize what the strains are, you know, H1N1 and h 3 and two, those are the typical numbers that are, are used. Um, but so it's constantly changing. So we have to constantly match and dance and, and kind of predict in the future what it could be. That and our immune system kind of loses its um, uh, uh, Im- immunity to the, the flu vaccine over time. So it's typically like six to eight months, something like that. I've heard as long as 14 months, but I've heard less too. So the current recommendation is like flu shots are available as early as August. And if you got them in August and you're a high risk patient, a doctor may say, if the flu season starts to heat up, to take another dose that oh, that's okay. happened. But uh, normally only we only need one and we should get it done before October. The reason we want to get it done uh, before the end of October is because typically the flu season will peak. Again, the little boogers are back in school, spreading disease everywhere. And of course, the the, the earth is kind of cooling down a little bit for this change of seasons, uh, especially in the north here. So the... Um, so the flu shot is needed to get in uh, before the end of October. 
it takes about two weeks for you to build the immune uh, immunity to it. So if you were to wait till the very end of October and then get your shot, that means like middle November, you're going to be protected. So it's very important to remember that uh, it's going to take some time. So you want to get it done. I tell people end of September is probably the sweet spot for getting the shot. Um, but yeah, and you can't get one for life because that's not how our immune system works with this particular thing. Hmm. And in fact, like some of the life vaccines we've found, like you need a booster for later in life. So. Do you think, because you, you just mentioned, you know, kids going back to school, do you think this is one of the vaccines that should be required for students? So I, I think that this is one of, I think all vaccines everybody should take. There's no reason not to. No vaccine has been connected to disease um, or any problems. The adverse events are very well known. Um, this is something I think vaccines everybody should be using. So f- should people get flu shots? I think everybody should get a flu shot. Um, but if you don't want to, I'm cool with that too. Just make sure it's because you just say, I'm an adult, I don't want one. And that decision isn't based on the BS that's out there. Let's talk about more inactive ingredients because I always feel like this is what's missing from the conversation. Oh, that's a good point. Mm, formaldehyde. Oh my God. Formaldehyde. Sounds horrible, right? That's what it the, does. What, what do you think of formaldehyde? I when? think of embalming fluid. Embalming fluid. You think of the little uh, frogs from biology class. Yeah. Right? Oh, and not to mention, and you know, smell. they're. Yeah, the the smell and also um, they're in cigarette filters. Yes, and it's, guess it. what? It, yeah, guess what it also is in. Uh, how many other vaccines? You. That's in you. Formaldehyde is a natural part of and an important part of metabolic processes. So you have what at any twist. given time. <laughs> yeah, what a twist. Blood in your urine will have a non-insignificant uh, amount of formaldehyde at any given time. You have formaldehyde running through your veins and in all of your tissues and in your cells right now. This is a mic drop moment. Yeah? Yeah. All right, great. I'm glad I could do that for you. <laughs> I could be that guy. Um, yeah, and I think that people should know that it's not a toxic substance, especially in the super duper i keep saying super duper i gotta come up with a better word than super duper uh low low amounts um (laughs) as uh, found in vaccines um you should know that uh the big concern that we have about formaldehyde is obviously if we are alive and we use as much as we would to embalm somebody or if we inhale it those are two ways that we can get sick off of formaldehyde but formaldehyde's in there as a preservative and that's pretty much it and the other thing is formaldehyde's not in every flu shot Here's a big thing, and we're going to link this on our show notes. All of this information is on the internet, right? So it's not like this is hidden information. So when somebody makes a claim, it is very, very easy to go to a reference level um, uh, situation, you know, white papers or CDC or, you know, any of the uh, ACIP, any of these groups will have all this information. So you can literally type in inactive ingredients, vaccines, and get a full list of every vaccine and every single inactive ingredient that's in there. So that's, it's not a hidden bit of information. You can say, okay, I just got a fluria. These are the inactive ingredients. The other inactive ingredients that are in, in flu shots are basically like salt water and you know bicarbonate and stuff like that. So the thing that's most scary is thimerosal in the multi-dose vial, which shouldn't be scary to you. Now, remember, thimerosal is not in any other vaccines because even though it's not a risk, the, the, the parents were arguing, you know, if I'm giving my kid five to 10 shots at a time, five to 10 vaccines, you know, the accumulative amount of the thimerosal then is going to be a problem. And the CDC said, said, no, of course not. It's still not a problem, but it's a le- you know, legitimate concern. So let's just remove it. And it's not a part of vaccines anymore. Right. Makes sense. So because it's not necessary. So uh, so that's it. So and again, along with this idea that there's something in the vaccines that can cause 
a disease uh, or an adverse event. That's not true. Flu shots, of course, don't cause autism. Um, nothing uh, singularly causes autism. It's a multifactorial thing. We have a good idea of some of the factors, but you know, listen to our autism podcast with those experts to get more information. Yeah, no matter what happened on South Park two days ago, it definitely doesn't cause autism. It does not cause autism. <laughs> Great. You know, one of the things that I've heard is that I feel is a bit of misinformation I want to talk about. It's like, I've gotten the flu and it's not that bad. And again, that's us being macho. We're tough. We're going we're gonna to sweat it out because being tough about getting a horrible disease that somebody can die from or get hospitalized from is better than you know, getting the needle in your arm, you know, and that our macho-ness is normally to cover up something else, right? Um, the idea that I've gotten the flu and I've been okay. So there are two pieces to that. One, um, people can, like you said, have gotten a flu and survived it. I have a friend who at her wedding got H1N1 and spent three days in intensive care. And if she wasn't a marathon runner, she would have died, you know? Wow. Um, and she was my, you were 24 at the time and, and you know, a, a super duper athlete, super duper, there it is again, <laughs> um, an athlete. And, uh, she, so she, uh, you know, she, she survived it, but that's, what's real, like uh, real healthy people can get really sick from this stuff. Um, so there's people that don't survive it, but the, the idea that you did okay is kind of, uh, it's a little ignorant to the fact that there are people that will get sick from it. So, um, and if you can get vaccine vaccinated and prevent those people from getting sick, that's great. The, um, well, you know, I think uh, probably part of it is that people don't, die from the flu as much as they used to. Influenza used to be a Because huge of vaccines. Deal. Right, right. But we don't, it, it's the same, it's the, a, a bigger problem, which mm -hmm. is that we are vaccinated against mm -hmm. so much so we don't realize that the reason we're getting vaccinated is because this stuff used to kill us. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I realize as mm -hmm. we're having this conversation, I'm like, maybe I should get a flu shot She's before I leave today. before she leaves. So the idea of like, I got the flu and uh, nothing happened to me. Well, that's a very isolated, you know, anecdote for you. And hopefully you didn't spread it to somebody who did get hospitalized or die because we don't ever know that kind of stuff. I wonder if like God tallies that up for you when you get to like you get all your stats at the end of a video game, you know, uh, yeah, this is how many Jews people you killed hell, right? with flu, you know, you, you didn't use your blinker and four people died, you know, and oh, you didn't God. know it. Yeah. Uh, so the but the other thing is, is a lot of people claim to get a flu in the winter and it's not the flu, man. Like just because you're sick in the winter doesn't mean it's a flu. Literally uh, five to ten times a day, I will have somebody tell me I've got a little bit of a flu. Now, listen, if I put a hundred dollar bill on your door, right? And you're too sick to get up and get that. That's the flu, right? The flu is something that is very, very unique. It's a, a, uh, a, cr a crazy experience to go through. I've had, uh, you know, people, you know, family members, friends, uh, you know, one guy's a male nurse, don't hold that against him. But you know, he so he talks about um, flu vaccine all the time. And the first time he got a flu as an adult, he was like, wow, he's like that it was devastating. And so we have to remember that, just because you're sick in the winter doesn't mean you've gotten the flu. So you're not really familiar with the whole thing. But again, stop being macho about it. The flu shot will decrease your risk of dying from the flu, decrease your risk of hospitalizations, and so forth. So to that end, what my doctor usually tells me is that I am of the population whom it works best for. Mm -hmm. So and that it doesn't really help kids because they're susceptible to so much and mm -hmm. that elderly patients are uh you know they're they're heavily medicated usually mm -hmm. just trying to 
keep themselves going. Go- yeah. yeah, better living through chemistry. Yep. So, so what do they do for elderly patients? Like, I, I imagine kids tend to just get sick anyway. But you know, do do they give flu shots to seniors, or what? What happens there? Yeah, so that actually is a bunch that we can unpack there. So the idea that flu shots are most effective, basically, um, a, a healthy adults. If you're 18 to 50, you're more likely to get the benefit from the flu shot. That doesn't mean it's going to stop you from getting sick. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that the best results will come from you. And it also doesn't mean if you're 70, but you're a healthy 70, that you're, you know, you're going to have a positive response. What it means is the people that are technically over 65, they're going to have a weakened immune system. Their response to the flu shot is going to be different than somebody that's not in that group. Okay, just because of genetics, Um, you know, there's things, lifestyle choices we can make over our our life to make it so we're more likely to have a stronger immune system. But it's just a a part of it is that it weakens over time. So um, I believe that that's more reason why everybody needs the shot, just because, you know, in those high risk categories. And remember, high risk categories are elderly, 65 plus, 18 and below, and then anybody in between that also has some sort of severe condition. So any immune system diseases, cancer or AIDS, you have people that have like diabetes even or lung disease. Those are people that are going to be at high risk from suffering the severe consequences from the flu hospitalizations and death. So um, it's more the reason that we all should get it to prevent those people from, from, from getting exposed to it. Um, now for seniors, they have this stuff called high dose flu shot. Um, I believe it's called flu zone high dose. And basically that's four times the antigen that's found uh, for each one of the strains in a regular dose flu shot. And this is something that I tell people I won't recommend. All right. And uh, this is kind of an interesting uh, gig. So you would, we, we take something and hopefully it helps us. Right. Um, so we, we want to if we're going to expose ourselves to four times the antigen, does that mean that we have four times the side effects? Well, it doesn't mean that we have four times the side effects, but there is a, a higher risk of side effects uh, from getting the flu shot. The, the other thing that it, it, we have to know is that it's a higher cost. So we're spending more money. We're getting more side effects. Are we getting this great benefit? And a lot of the studies have shown that there's a statistically significant benefit, but there isn't a like individual benefit almost. So it takes basically one of the pieces I saw, it's, it takes 200 people to get vaccinated with a high dose flu shot for one of them to have a better outcome. Wow. Right. And so when you're talking about all nursing home patients, that's really important that everybody gets that high dose vaccine because, you know, one of the other studies I looked at, there's like 40 or 70,000 nursing home patients. And yeah, so they had 70 more people that didn't get sick from the flu. So that's pretty significant. I would hope to be one of those 70. So as a public health thing, it's probably smart, you know, for all nursing home residents to get that high dose flu shot. But again, if you're in the community, what matters most is getting a flu shot right away. And part of the reason why I'm like, I don't recommend it is because the CDC doesn't recommend it. ACIP doesn't recommend it. And if they don't do it, they don't feel it's as significant of a recommendation, uh, clinically significant. So if you look this and it, under, uh, under the high-dose flu shot, the CDC says, we don't recommend any one flu shot over the other. We want you to get the flu shot as soon as possible. And that's what I'm going with. And um, so the idea of the high-dose flu shot, if you can get it, get it. But don't wait to get the flu shot. 
get whatever you can as soon as humanly possible because it's more important that you get some protection than you know like the quote unquote perfect protection. There's another type of um, flu shot that's given to people with weak immune systems, like the elderly. That's called um, Fluad. It's um, it's got an added agent that makes your immune response to it stronger. So there's two different options that people can get. But again, I'm not I'm not really an advocate of those. Let's address an obvious concern. Can you get the flu from the flu shot? No. And my favorite analogy for this is M&Ms because I love M&Ms. It's my my vice. Like that's going to be my <laughs> Krypton. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're great. Krypton. I voted for the kryptonite. blue. It's going to be my Kryptonite. <laughs> you voted for the blue? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, get out of here, Tan. You're done. I didn't even know that there was an election. So you, you can't. Imagine that a replicating virus is a whole M&M. Okay. In order for a virus to grow in your body and cause disease, it has to be a whole M&M and then it makes more M&M friends. And then you have a lot of M&Ms. A vaccine. That sounds awesome. Thank you. It sounds great. <laughs> a, a, a replicating M&M, then my belly would just blow up. The, the vaccine is essentially taking a hammer to your M&M and taking the candy coated shell. And that's what you're doing. It's fragments of the outside of the virus. Okay. So there's nothing that's there's no possible way that it could replicate or cause illness from flu, right? Okay. So then why do I take it and feel like garbage? Well, that's because that's what happens. One, we stuck a big needle in your arm. So that's going to cause a weird reaction with your body. Your body's going to go, dude, I've got to like heal myself because I just had quote unquote trauma, you know? And then the second part is, is you know, your immune system is responding to this antigen. So in some people it's pronounced and some people it is not. So Ask any adult who's gotten the new shingles vaccine what that feels like. And so the shingles vaccine, a lot of people are going, oh, wow, that kicked my butt. I couldn't believe it. I was, you know, people are saying that they were in pain for a day. They were in bed for a day. Um, they just didn't feel like themselves for a day. And that's actually not a dramatic response. That's actually what we kind of expect anytime somebody gets any vaccine is that kind of response. That's a normal response. That's not abnormal. If it lasts more than three days... It had nothing to do with the vaccine. So like your pain in your arm and you're feeling bad for the first three days, that's the vaccine. But then I feel, uh, you know, I know somebody that got the flu shot and then they got sick after a week, you know, like you had actually even mentioned, like, I feel like I've got, I was sick for like the whole season or whatever, right? It, it was really brutal. <laughs> and I felt like I was in Little Women. <laughs> and essentially what what's happened is, is you went to a public place where sick people are and it's sick people time of year. And so you just got a cold. And in your situation, basically one cold chained into another. And that happens sometimes. Uh, again, I tell people the best way to prevent being sick is to stay away from small children. Small children are Petri dishes and they have lots and lots of disease. So when people are like, oh, I, I never get sick because I take this magic duck liver or I use this particular product or I take a lot of vitamin C. I say it's not because of those things. Um, it's because you uh, aren't around sick people, you know, and if you're around in, in those public places and not using the universal precautions of washing your hands and stuff, you're going to be more likely to get a cold, right? And so the the idea that you can get sick from a, a vaccine, especially flu shots, is, is, is inherently wrong because there's nothing there that can give you a an infection. But because of the reaction to it, plus the uh, proximity to being sick, a lot of people kind of put those things together. They don't want to feel like garbage. Well, guess what? Again, if you've ever gotten a real flu, 
you'll do whatever. You'll suffer that 12 hours or 24 hours uh, because uh, it's way better than the pain and and the agony. Again, if, if you just suffer at home, that's one thing. But intensive care unit admissions is one of the markers here, right? So we don't want you to be in the ICU. So it's worth a couple days of pain at, at worst. Totally. So there is one little caveat there. There's a type of flu shot, the nasal spray, that's only recommended for healthy people, meaning people without comp- compromised immune systems between ages two and 49. And that is a weakened virus. So somebody within a weakened immune system that gotten a weakened that have gotten a weakened virus can get sick and can get the flu. So that's why it's only healthy people, but that's the only form of the vaccine that actually has something that's infectious as part of it. So that's not something that everybody can or should get anyway. I tell people don't even bother with that unless you're like super needle phobic then. Is that really the only people that it's, um, that's indicated for? It's only indicated for two to 49 without uh, compromised immune systems. Uh Okay. Because there's a risk of that you'll get the flu from it. So so is there something that people can do to build up their immune system naturally against the flu? Um, well, I mean, so that kind of, there's two parts to this. The idea that I don't want to get the vaccine because I'd rather build my immune system naturally, which is uh it's understandable why people think that, but whoever planted that seed of logic in the general population, that's laughable, right? It doesn't make any sense. The idea that we would rather get exposed to a disease that has potential harmful outcomes versus get a weakened version or a dead version of that vaccine to prevent all of that suffering, um, because the end result is the same. Your immune system builds from a vaccine. Your immune system builds from getting sick from something. But so wouldn't it be great to not have to get sick from something? Uh, And so, you, yeah, you can just get exposed to stuff. You can, you know, you know, do that if you'd like. I don't think that that's a wise choice. Um, So then the idea of boosting your immune system. Um, that's a a kind of like one of those natural product industry, um, you know, like white lies that we tell people. So they're you really can't change your immune system. Your immune system is pretty much perfect. But if there are certain factors at play, your immune system will be slightly weaker than other people. So really weak immune systems are the things that we talked about. People with uncontrolled diabetes or like HIV or cancer, those people have compromised immune systems. Uh, or even drugs can can induce like and make your immune system weaker. Those people are the real uh, uh, weakened immune systems. The rest of us that haven't got enough sleep, for example, it might not be working optimally. And that's the big, the broad strokes here are more important. So get rested, eat well, exercise, do all the things that you know you're supposed to do, and that will keep your immune system as optimized as possible. And while, yes, vitamin C has a role in the immune system, our, our immune cells chew up vitamin C. Most of us aren't deficient in vitamin C, and vitamin C boosting the immune system is the biggest lie that's been told for the longest amount of time that vitamin C is going to help you not get a cold. And that's been disproven a bunch too. Um, I teach people from a cold perspective, zinc lozenges work really well. Mm -hmm. Um, If you do six of those uh, a day for the first two to three days when you first start to get a scratching sore throat, that has been shown to reduce the severity or duration of colds. Um, Gaia uh, Herbs makes a really unique product called Quick Defense, which is a special extract of echinacea that um, 
can reduce the symptoms of a cold when you do get it, uh, reduces the inflammation pretty uh, dramatically. So we have a lot of people that will swear by either one of those things. I personally am a zinc lozenge fanatic. Um, Same. Yeah. You know, it's got a metallic taste. So yeah, uh, it's not great. But Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, even because I I have heard the same thing that you just said, like when you feel a cold coming on, Mm -hmm. start with it. But I will be in a cold Mm -hmm. already and maybe not be able to get my hands on some zinc and finally do. Mm -hmm. And even when I start taking it, my like the swelling in my glands will go down. It really, really is the only thing I've found to help with the rhinovirus. Yeah, it stops stops the cold bugs from sticking to your throat. And again, this is cold, not flu. So we're kind of going off. But even those things that help, yeah, yeah, even those things aren't going to boost your immune system. Right. What they're doing is weakening the stuff so your immune system just works better. So the idea of Hmm. boosting your immune system and and taking things, you know, there is a little bit of uh, information around well-made mushroom supplements. Uh, They contain something called beta-glucan, which has antiviral activity, it seems. Uh, Mm. So taking those daily may reduce your chances of getting sick. Um, The idea of using elderberry uh, on a regular basis to help reduce flu symptoms. That's the only thing elderberry's really been tied to besides its great antioxidant benefits. It tastes really good, too. So it's... it's Well, I mean, (laughs) it tastes good if you're getting the, the, the sugar dumped into it version of it. And so elderberry's typically a little sweet mostly bitter um and but most of the elderberry products on the market have more sugar in them than pepsi so you have to look out for that yeah flavor you want a concentrated (laughs) elderberry um preferably organic of course whole fruit if you can and no added sugar that's that's what ours is and that's what i i kind of hope for and it's like something insane like you know six thousand elderberries per bottle or something like that it's like really thick and and well i've seen them dry they're very small very, They're very like tiny. pinheads mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so and mushroom therapy, we just did the webinar on mushrooms. So we're going to link that in the show notes, of course. But the big thing is most mushroom products sold in this country aren't real mushrooms. You're buying the root system called mycelium, which are attached to rice. And they're using the um, the measurements of rice um, for a false marker of quality. Uh, we want beta-glucans, not polysaccharides. Beta-glucan is a type of polysaccharide, but so is rice. So rice won't make you healthier beta-glucans will, and it's specifically the type that are found in most mushrooms. So if you did want to use a mushroom, get a real mushroom at realmushrooms.com or at (laughs) woodstockvitamins.com. We sell real mushrooms. That's the brand that we go with. That's our Vitality-approved brand. So do we have statistics on how well the vaccine works? Uh, I mean, so this is funny because this is something that comes up a lot. It's only... 10% 10% effective. It's only 40% effective, people like reluctantly say. And, you know, your seatbelt isn't 100% effective. We have to be adults here and understand that interventions that we do aren't going to be 100% effective all the time. We want to right. make sure that they're worth it. And we found overwhelmingly that this is worth it. Um, in 2018, vaccinated people were 60% less likely to get admitted to the ICU. And if you did get admitted to the ICU, you were likely to spend four less days in the hospital. So that's an important thing. So even if you get sick, you're going to uh, have a less rough time with the whole thing. Um, And there's lots of stats like this. If you type in again, CDC flu vaccine effectiveness, they have all of the studies from the most recent years about um, how it reduced incidences of hospitalizations, missed days from work death, all of that. And it's it's really important to, for everybody to see and understand that, that the idea of only 40% or it only did so much is is really like a, it's, it's, it's a reductionist view of the whole thing, you know? So yeah, you're, you might get the flu shot and you might get the flu. 
and how many of that 60% were immunocompromised or very young or very old. Or got it early or, or something else was right. going on. All I know is last year, um, the the stories of the kids dying from the flu shot because they didn't get vaccinated broke my heart. It breaks practitioners' heart. We're here in New York fighting this whole, like, vaccines are now mandated, you know, no religious exemption kind of stuff. And, um, and... The, all of the physicians are like, what the heck? This, of course, is a good thing. The number, they're treating the kids suffering from measles, right. you know? Um, they're seeing it, you know? And and it's just, it's a very odd thing to me. But again, flu shots and regular vaccines, two separate kinds of conversations. Um, the flu shot is something that I believe everybody would benefit from in some degree or another. And if we all did it, then our most frail among us would not suffer as much as they have to. So did I answer all of your important questions, Dana? Yeah, for sure. All right, great. You feel like you're going to go downstairs. You're going to get your flu shot right away. That, that is what's going to happen. All right, wonderful. <laughs> I get to stamp Dana. Oh, God, he's been waiting for this, you guys. Yep. I'm going to come at it at an angle. It actually has to go in your forehead. I'm sorry. Oh, this God. Is, it's a new flu shot. And I, I hope that what I can do in the outro is like show everybody how much of a wuss you were and how easy it was. We should do a video of you getting the flu shot and put that on <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm still recovering from a tetanus shot. Yeah. All right. So here's my concluding thought on this whole thing. Here's my concluding thought, because it sounded like I've cleared my throat there. Here's my concluding <laughs> thought on this whole thing. So even if all of the horrible things that everybody says vaccines do were real, it's still worth it. Okay? Um, if you're going to decrease your risk of getting sick, getting hospitalized, or dying, decrease your risk of spreading flu to somebody who could get sick, all of that is worth it. If, if there's a small risk that a vaccine could cause autism, it's worth it. If there's a small risk that you can get a little sick from uh, taking it, it's worth it because the the benefits are, are great. And that's what we always have to remember. In With the natural products industry, we tend to downplay all of the bad stuff with supplements and then amplify them for the, the traditional model, the pharmaceutical model. And we have to be a little bit more uh, less biased, I would say. Um, you know, our conflict really comes from a massive misinformation campaign. And we have to like understand that um, these malicious forces are at play and they shouldn't influence our decision. You can listen, you know, you can hear it, but don't listen, you know? Um, and in the health and wellness space, we need to accept all of it. So our lifestyle choices, what can we do to prevent the flu? Well, stay away from kids, <laughs> wash your hands. Um, you know, uh, don't put your hands in your mouth, clean your phone. Your phone is the, the grossest thing that you own and you, and you never, uh, you know, Oh, but I the like thing. to fall asleep sucking on my phone. <laughs> I'm sure. Like I, I'm worried about lead and I'm sucking on the <laughs> aluminum frame. Yeah. Um, so all of these things, the lifestyle choices are important. You can't not do those. You can't get a vaccine and then be like, Oh, well, uh, I don't have to wash my hands. No, that's not how it works. Supplements and, and doing things to be healthier are very important, but so are medical interventions. You need to do all three of them to live a truly holistic life. And you have to understand what are the real risks and the real benefits. I also wrote a little bit about the flu shot. It's one of my more popular articles. It's called Flu Shots Are Nothing to Sneeze At. So check that out at woodstockvitamins.com. So I hope that answered everybody's questions. Dana's about to get a flu shot. And again, if you don't want to get one, I'm cool with that. But make sure it's not based on any of the bits of misinformation out there. So until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and be well. <laughs>